Recording in progress. Okay, this this Fabrengen is the last Fabrengen, Leisata, uh, that the Rebbe gave on Pasha Stuma uh, 30 years ago. And Pasha also uh, beginning, beginning the month of Adar. And it's a very, very powerful message about the Simcha of Adar, the Mini of the Mazel of Adar. Let's go right to it. We begin with the bracha b'frat b'mdeinu b'tchilas hamachis al chadish adar v'yesh natsir devaydin v'shemichas adar marim b'simcha. Especially now that we've begun the month of adar, and there's a commandment, and there's a halacha that when adar enters, you must increase in joy. Ochayish zeh b'ori mazli. And this month, the mazel, the Jewish people, is healthy. Bein l'muvan shnei yisrom es baruch maz miyuchim b'brachas. It's understood. The Jewish people are blessed with great things, blessed with blessings at this time. You say Mazu, even more. The Gemara says that just like when the month of Av enters, you must decrease in joy, so too when the month of Adar enters, enters you must increase in joy. Therefore, if a Jew has a court case with a non-Jew, he should try to run away from him and not make the court case the month of Av. And he should try, because he's not a good mazel on Av, and instead he should try to make a good ma- a court case the month of Adar when we have a healthy mazel. Why is the Gemara equate decreasing joy in the month of Av with increasing joy in the month of Adar? Just by the comparison, you're already making the context of the month of Adar seem morose and oh, sterile. Because you bring this cold case into Adar, that causes the Simcha to go down. No. No, that's not okay. No, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, it's I'm, like you, using the analogy. like, uh-huh. like okay. Just yeah, like yeah. by a Chas Hashom, Nachmon, or by a Levai, you have to be sad, so to by a Simcha, you have to be happy. Like... Just, 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 just the. the I used to get so annoyed. I got used to it already. But life cycle events. There's just that term made me so annoyed. Like in the same sentence, you're saying birthdays and you're saying yard sites, and it's all the cycle of life. Just putting putting the birthday in the same in the same wow. sentence as as the yard site makes the whole thing like bleary. So that's the that's Rebbe's question. The answer is, it's exact opposite. It's not about decreasing the simcha. It's, it's precisely, the Gemara's intent is exactly the opposite. It's coming to tell us that the decreasing of the joy in the month of Av has the same meaning as the increasing in joy in the month of Adar. Because the whole reason why Hashem gave us this mitzvah to decrease in joy in the month of Av, and the calamities that brought about the, that, that, that uh, halacha, that, that uh, rule, the only reason why that exists is only in order to that darkness and that bitterness, which is in the month of Av, should be transformed to joy and light in the month of Adar. Since this is accomplished by the abundance of joy and the healthy mazel of the month of Adar, that it has the power to transform the negative and the negative, ma- the negative mazel and the 
sadness in the month of Av. Move on, Shaydezim, Misayzim, Eidyezim, Simcha Vader. That, that means the Simcha of Adar has two components. It, it, it doesn't only have the Simcha naturally because of open and clear good that Hashem gives us in this month. In this month we also have the additional Simcha from the transformation of negative things. That last paragraph that we learned, just was watching this morning, the um, Nebuchadnezzar gave this, this rank, and part of it was said during the week, part of it was said on Shabbos. So when Nebuchadnezzar walked into the Fabrengan, the great Simcha, the great walked into Mayr, excuse me. And with Vahib Mechashvedish, the first, and then they would give a sikha for 10 minutes. After the sikha, the Rebbe started to give out dollars, but right before giving out dollars, they like added a point. And that was a point that we just did, which is that Adar, the Rebbe said this year, has 60 days, and 60 has a power to nullify um, anything, non, any non kosher substance that's mixed into um, something which is kosher. So, so Rebbe said that. What that means is, it's similar to a concept in Tanya. In Tanya, it says in chapter 27 that, that there's a, a special pleasure Hashem has from Sadiqim. And then there is something unique, a unique kind of pleasure Hashem has from those who are not Sadiq. And the author gives an analogy of two kinds of food. There is food which is naturally sweet and geschmack and enjoyable. And then there is food which is, which is sharp and it's sour. But you could season it, and you could change it, and you could uh, until it becomes a delicacy. And that's a pleasure Hashem has from those who are not tzaddikim, because of, they're able to transform the darkness to light. So, in a similar way, the Rebbe said, in the month of Adar, we have the natural sweet joy that Hashem gives us open and clear brachas. Then there is an additional, um, additional simcha from the transformation of something negative to good. When you, Adar is a power, of, yeah, to good and to happiness. Um, like the story you told me this morning, uh, that, 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 that something negative is happening, it looks like something negative, and then really that, that uh, negative thing transforms something else to, to, um, to God. Okay. Um, this answers another question. Why does the Gemara talk about this additional joy in the month of Adar in middle of the book about fasting. In middle of the book itself about fasting, it's in, it's in the page, in the subject about the calamities in the month of Adar. In the middle of that discussion, oh, by the way, you're supposed to have joy in the month of Adar. It sounds so negative. The answer is Fakert, the opposite. The power of the Simch in the month of Adar has to, is to transform the negative to positive. Um, I, I mean, we, we, we don't know when the Rebbe asks when well, the Rebbe speaks, never asked to speak again. We have no idea what that means. But it obviously is something special, like the Rebbe speaking, and there's something else, like some, something new. It's a chidr, something novel. It wasn't part of the first. It, it, it seemed like, you know, that there was something specific that the Rebbe wanted to accomplish with his additional simcha in the month of Adar. Um, some chassidim pointed out that the Rebbe's stroke was in the month of Adar, and the Rebbe was speaking about the additional, additional simcha so, so we should transform um, all the negative of this month to good. Anyways, but so that's that's the um, the power of the simcha. The month of Adar 
it, it, it not only nullifies the negative, but it actually never mentioned something else in that, uh, in that, in that short talk, which I just mentioned here. Just like an analogy in Tanya, you eat the food, you food it's meant to be eaten, so too the transformation of the negative to positive is in such a way that the negative itself is able to be consumed. You're able to, able, able to bring it into you. You're able to eat, the negative itself becomes a positive thing. So this adds in the bracha, that there's a bracha in all areas, there's also a bracha to transform the negative to positive. Until we come to the main bracha, until we come to the main bracha, when there is the main bracha, which is, a, which is appropriate for the time that we're in now, the bracha of the true and complete ul through Mashiach, when it says Mashiach will come, our mouths will be full of laughter. There'll be the perfect, um, the perfect uh, fulfillment, perfect revelation of the healthy mazel of the Jewish people. And there'll be the perfection of all darkness being transformed to, li- dark, to light and all bitterness being transformed to sweetness. Base. Okay. So that's the, so the first section of this Shabrang, and it just tells us about the tremendous brachas come down this month, including the power of transforming the negative to positive. Now, that is going to go to the Parsha. The beginning of the month of Adar begins in many years in the week of Parsha's Truma. Oh. Baruch Hashem. Okay. Um, yeah. Should I say the power one? Or should I say... No, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay. I actually, people are still listening, maybe. Actually, it's okay. All right. So... I did. Oh, and Eilich by Sholik there. What's the good one? Okay. So as Chos Chayish Adar Chalkam, the beginning of part of of the month of Adar, as in many years and as in this year, is Nuikah Parshas Tuma. Pia Yedua. Shalom Meida Shana Yeshachas LaParsha Teir Shemhemem Chalim. There's a connection between the parshas of the week and the time of the year which they fall out on. So what's the connection between the month of Adar and the, and the joy of Adar and the healthy mazel of the Jewish people? What does that have to do with In addition to the general theme of Adar, we also need to understand the connection between the month of Adar and the um, uh, the way Adar falls out in this year specifically. In addition to understanding the connection between Parshas Truma and the month of Adar, let's focus on the exact way the month of Adar falls out. Aleph. First of all, we have two Adars this year. And in Pasha's Truma, we're doing the first Adar. We're in the middle of the first Adar. The two days of Adar, like this year, are on Tuesday and Wednesday. 
two days of Rishchayshad. So what's the meaning of this? Why does Parshas Truma have to do with the month of Adar? And why, why specifically the first Adar? And why Tuesday and Wednesday? Ois Gimel. You have met the Parshas Hainu understands the first prefacing a question with this week's Parsha. I think I'll do the, rest part, the next part outside. In the commandment of Hashem to us, in this Parsha, Hashem asks us to give gold, silver, and copper to the of English. The question is, why does God begin with gold? Why is, that the, why is that the first thing? First of all, the question has two parts. First of all, in Hashem's request, it'll make sense, Hashem's commandment, it'll make sense to start off with the easier things. And after it goes to the easier things, then to go to the harder things. But instead, Hashem starts right away with the most expensive item, with the, um, with the gold. And gold wasn't the number one thing that people needed. It was off also. After you fixed oh, it. Okay. <laughs> After, besides the fact that um, it wasn't the number one thing needed in the Mishkan, it wasn't the number one thing that people owned. The Mishka didn't need so much gold. And uh, even though there were richer, there was, there was, the Jews were, had a lot of wealth at the time, uh, but still, even within the wealth that we had, we had more of other components than we did of gold. And um, when the Torah lists the order of the, the, the donations, um, The Torah lists order the donations, the categories of the, the donations. The Torah first lists the metals. Most people had the metals, the gold, silver, and copper. And then it lists the uh, various um, uh, wools, which weren't uh, as common. And then it lists the uh, oil, and then it lists the special stones for the uh, breastplate of the Kain Godel. So it lists, when it's talking about the, the order of the various kinds of things, it goes in the order of what people had more of. And yet, within gold, silver, and copper, it lists gold first. Gold should have come after silver and copper because the, there, there, are, there are, there's less of that. Um, le- less people gave gold than those who gave silver and copper. More people gave silver and copper than those who gave gold. So why is gold mentioned first? Although they had lots of gold, but still they had more of, of other things than gold, just like because gold is more precious, so it's, it makes sense that they had less of that. Um, so not just they had more of it, but the Rebbe actually says they gave more of it. Like the Namban says that the donations of gold were less than donations of silver and copper because they needed more silver and copper in the Mishkan, so it makes sense that they... Recording in progress. So, so the Mishkan needed more silver and copper, so why is gold mentioned first? You can't answer the Torah listing everything according to its importance. The Torah wants us to tell us the, the most important things first, uh, because what's even more important, what's more, more precious, are those stones. And those are listed at the end. And number two, the uh, mitzvah, is about the donation of the Jewish people, what they're giving to the Mishkan. So in that mitzvah, it doesn't matter what is more important. The mitzvah is the donation that they should give. 
So why is it important to mention gold first? We also need to understand what's the lesson that we're supposed to learn from the fact that gold is the first thing. So the explanation is like this. We understand why gold is mentioned first by asking another question. The construction of the Mishkan was dependent upon all the Jewish people. First of all, all the Jewish people had to participate in giving to the Mishkan. Men and women, and not just men and women, but it says that women were more generous. And number two, um, the commandment to build the Mishkan was a commandment on everybody, men and women, not just to donate to the Mishkan, but to build it actually. It's commit, it commits on everyone, as it will be in the coming Mashiach, the building of the Beis HaMikdash, and the first and second Beis HaMikdash, commandment was to every Jew, every Jew had to participate. The question is like this, the Mishkan accomplished something so wondrous, something that didn't exist till then, in a physical home, there is a revelation of godliness. And as the prophet wonders, if the heavens, the highest of all the heavens, cannot contain you, how is it possible that this house couldn't contain you? How can, if you can't fit in the, all the galaxies, uh, universe, they, they can't contain you, oh, you're just in time. So how is it possible that this, that this house is, gonna, is going to fit you? On page Yud Zayin. It, it would make sense that if we're going to make a home for Hashem, who should we get to build this home for Hashem? It would make sense that the people we get involved in building this home are the, are the best Jews, top Jews, top guns. Those who are the best at, uh, at, at their mitzvahs, at their Torah, at their davening. Those are the ones we want to build our mishkan. We'd say those are the guys to do it. Like um, who is like in the actual construction of the, of the mishkan, B'tzalel, who was filled with the spirit of Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu, hearing from God, is telling B'tzalel what to do. And so you'd think also when it comes to donating for the mishkan, you need like to have okay, we, we no, you, you're not your donations aren't accepted. We need to have someone like B'tzalel, someone who has the spirit of Hashem, someone who's listening to Moshe Rabbeinu, someone who is in that caliber is allowed to donate. We shouldn't let everybody donate. Yet the Torah says. So just think about it. It's so beautiful. Think about it. Every guy went home. Every woman, every child went home. Like, wow, Moshe Rabbeinu said we could bring stuff to Mishkan. So what did everyone do? Everyone went to their tents, and they opened their chests, and they opened their... And, oh, we have some gold. We have some silver. Some gold. Let's go bring it. So, so that's, that's, that's nice. But the question is, but how is that possible? How is a little kid going to take out from his, his uh, sock drawer? Oh, I have some woolen socks. I can give that to the Mishkan. I need some, 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 some purple wool. I got it. How is that possible? If the highest heavens can, can, can contain Hashem's presence, how is this little, each child going to contribute something from there from, and make that a place for God? Especially if you consider that Hashem said that He wants the donations to be li lishmi. They need to be with altruistic for the sake of God. So just like when you build the tabernacle, in the construction itself, the build for the sake of God, so too, when you donate for the, for the tabernacle, it has to be for the sake of Hashem. Something which not everyone is, is on the same level when talking about doing things altruistically. Some people, it's natural to them. You know, they do, oh, it's wonderful for Hashem, it's great. Other people are like, they have the LA virus. You know what the LA virus is? Mm, what can you give me? What can you give me? What can you give me? <laughs> so that's, so that's this. So um, the Ramam says that only Avram Avinu 
Avram Avinu had this special, unique quality that he had this unique love for Hashem. He did the truth because it was true. Not everybody has that. So, so how come Hashem is asking everybody to give to his tabernacle when not everybody is, is on the level of, first of all, how can we say everyone's going to just, just give stuff and, and Hashem's going to rest in, that, in whatever they're giving? It, it, it doesn't make sense. The heavens can't contain them. How can little things they're going to give be a home for Hashem? And even more, if they are going to all participate in, um, in building the Mishkan, that's fine. But they have to participate with Lashma for the sake of Hashem. They're not all the same in their, for the sake of Hashem. One kid's walking there, you know, with, with his purple wool, and he's saying, that kid's purple wool is not as nice as my purple wool that I'm bringing to Mishkan. Look at me. I'm, I'm, I have much nicer things I'm bringing. I'm a nicer guy in general. You know, everyone has all these kinds of convoluted things they're thinking about. We're Jews, right? We're all going to give them. Everyone's thinking different things. So how can we, the rule should have been, Reb is asking, only allow the top holiest people to contribute. And the answer is, when did Hashem give us this mitzvah? To build the tabernacle. He gave it to us specifically after we got the Torah. What happened when Hashem gave us the Torah? Hashem gave us the Torah. He didn't, just, he didn't not just only give us the Torah. He also chose us from all nations. When Hashem chose every Jew, He didn't just choose our neshamas. He chose our bodies. That even while we are in this world, a soul in our body, we are considered, as God says in the Torah, a kingdom of kohanim, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And until the Torah was given, there was a divide. The heavens were heaven. The earth was earth. It was impossible to do a mitzvah, to bring Hashem's holiness into a film. It was impossible. From the Torah on, just like there was a change in the world, there was a change in us, in Jew. Despite however a Jew may appear externally, even though he does sins, etc., the Gemara says he's still Jewish. He has a pintalayid. He has his core Jewishness, his essence. And that's why the author uses these words. A Jew does not want and cannot sever his bond, God forbid, from Hashem. The Rambam says, the true desire of every Jew is to do the will of Hashem. And even though a Jew is, does have negative feelings about why he's doing things, he's not doing it altruistically. Yet, the Gemara says, you should always do things for the wrong reasons, because eventually you do them for the right reasons. And Hasidus says, Hasidus says it even deeper. Hasidus says, look at the words of the Gemara. Mitoich doesn't mean, if you look at the words literally, it doesn't mean if you do it this way, you'll end up doing it that way. If, then. It's not what it's saying. It's saying, within. Mitoich means within. Within my, my selfish reason itself is my altruistic reason. Within me, when I'm thinking about all the other things that I'm thinking about, uh, uh, inside of me there is the love for Hashem. The toich, the inside of me, the inside of my selfish reasons and all kinds of motives that I have, whatever I'm doing, inside of me is the neshama. Inside of me is that desire, desire to what Hashem wants. And that explains why every single Jew is able to be part of this, men, women, and children, and they're able to create this place for Hashem. Because a Jew, through the giving of the Torah, became something new. Became something new. What did he become? He became someone who despite the fact that he's in a body, and despite the fact that he's all kinds of negative things in his head, his inside is lishma. His inside is, is for the sake of Hashem. And there's, not, there's, there's nothing else he's thinking about. In his core, in his core essence, who is a Jew? A Jew is someone who is doing things just for the sake of Hashem without any self-motive, 
self-interest whatsoever. And that's why he's not thinking about what might happen if he doesn't do it. He's not thinking about what he's going to get if he does it. He's doing this like Avram Avinu did things. Avram Avinu did things because they were true. That's all. So deep down, every Jew has that feeling. And therefore, every Jew is also able, just like in, in yourself, you're holy, your, your inner core is holy, so to be able to take physical things and make them holy, to make them a place for Hashem. You're able to transform them and to make them a place to be Hashem's home. That Hashem could say, this thing that you gave me is now going to be the place that I want to be and I want to reveal myself more than any other place in the world. And that explains why Hashem asks us to give gold first. Why, why does the first thing Hashem asks for is gold? Why is that the first thing? What Hashem is telling us by asking us to give gold is to tell us who we are. Hashem wants us to know that your first possession, you are gold. Don't think of yourself that I'm, that I'm this level, I'm at that level, and this isn't, I'm, I'm up to this and I'm not up to there. Don't look at yourself like that. You have to know that you are, after the Torah was given, you have to know that you are golden and you are, you're holy. Gold means you're precious. You have to know you have Nisham, that's who you are. And, and not just you're holy in general, but you have the ability to transform the world like the world, the holy place for Hashem. That's, that's who you are. So that's why the Torah lists the gold first, to tell us this, that the Jew has to know, I am gold. I am, I am uh... Okay, and that explains, okay, let's stop here. And so that's, that's the basic point. Hashem wants us to know the reason why we're able to make this home for Hashem and what we're doing in making this home for Hashem. We're able to transform the physical world, making the physical world a holy place. Why is that possible? Because you're holy. Because you are in your essence. Not just, that's, there's a part of you that's holy. That's who you, that, that's your true, real, real self. Everything else is not real. All the other things we do, all the other negative feelings and stuff isn't our essence. Our first reality, our first possession is gold. Right? Whenever I play basketball with one of my children, I call him the golden boy. Because he just runs circles around me in the court. Not just around me, I think he's pretty good. So, so the Abishar tells you, hey, Dr. Restman, Nathan, Maishi, golden boy, you're the golden boy. You hear David, you're the golden boy. All right, I go to the golden boys. We've got to build a home for Hashem. Make it happen. Well, Chaim. Some of crazy. When I saw you, I was like,